Hey, Evan. What? Do you know what happened at the cheese factory that exploded in France? No. <laughs> there was nothing left but debris. Hello everyone and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is episode 124 and I am your host, Stephen Dutzman, as always. This is the official video game and board game podcast for EngageFamilyGaming.com. EFG is a website where parents like myself and my co-hosts come together to give parents and families the information they need to get their family game on. This week is a very special week. Big changes, as I talked about last week. We have a new host. Um, it's our friend, my friend, uh, Rob Collegian from The Pawn's Perspective. Or is it just Pawn's Perspective? I can't remember your website's name. It's uh, it's a pawn's perspective oh, uh, or just pawn's perspective. I got my, I either, got my, I got my articles wrong. My bad. Um, and so, so Rob will be joining us at least semi regularly. He may not know it yet, but that's what he's doing. Um, and um, that's that's just how I operate. It's basically podcasting by kidnapping. Um, and but that's not all. We actually have a special guest this week. Uh, we have Carla Cop who is in charge of can I say in charge of you're like you're you're like the brains behind weird giraffe games right yeah i call myself the cto the that's CTO? on my business card the cto yeah. so um what does cto stand for uh well the regular thing chief technical officer oh, that's cool. i'm like the technical part of like all the board game stuff and social okay. media and website all right all the things so you're that kind of nerd. I got it. There's different kinds of nerds. Yeah. You're that kind of nerd. That's <laughs> fine. Um, so you run a board game company, and you have a Kickstarter that is live right now, uh, which is Fire in the Library, which fans of the website will no- will probably notice was our featured Kickstarter of the week last week. Um, and I thought we'd have you on so we could, because it just was good timing since we're recording a board game podcast this week. Um, cause we're right in the middle of your pod or right in the middle of your campaign. Rather you're at like 300 something percent. You're just killing it. And it's in like, just getting into <laughs> week two. Um, and yeah, so I, fi- and the game is inexpensive. Looks awesome. I haven't had gotten a chance to play it yet because, um, you're far away. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I figured we'd talk about it. Um, does that sound all right? That sounds great. Awesome. So before we do that, though, got to do some of the housekeeping. You know how that stuff goes. So before we get too far into it, folks, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening. Uh, we hope the games you played this past week have been great. We want to make sure our podcast is interactive as possible, so please feel free to reach out to us on social media or email me at editor at engagefamilygaming.com with any comments, questions, or topic suggestions. Because like I said, eventually we're going to run out of ideas, and I need you to help fill my head. Um, so... Um, before we go too far, much farther, I want to go around the horn. Um, so, Carla, we'll have you go first because you're the guest. You were just at Unpub, which is, I, 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 what's the elevator pitch? It's basically a convention for games that don't exist yet. Yeah, basically. So it has a bunch of game designers with their uh, games that are in various states of done. You know, some of them, like, uh, I actually saw some games that the the designer was like, yeah, I thought of this this morning. So it goes from uh, that range of not done to games that are, like, just about actually complete, and they're just doing the final touches on them. Okay. And were you there with Fire in the Library, or did you have other stuff there? So I had other stuff. So Fire in the Library, it's play-tested, it's pretty much done, um, other than the fact that I'm going to get an editor to make words better, because uh, I'm not a words person, but there's people that are. So uh, yeah, it needs words, or better words, but um, I was play-testing mainly the Fire in the Library expansion, where um, it's actually probably going to end up to be like three or four expansions that I just need to actually separate out, but um, yes. So an expansion that includes tools and additional book types. It was very exciting because people actually liked it. And it was like, well, these were all the rejects. So I'm glad you liked my rejects. Uh, (laughs) And I also had uh, Totemic Rights, 
It might just be totemic right now because uh, somebody brought up, well, like, okay, so I'm bad at names. I'm just so bad at naming things. Um, I get games where it's like fire in the library because it's about a fire in a library. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty obvious what it is. So I think I'm going to call it totemic now because you build totem poles. It's like this set collection uh, rondel. A mechanic, rondel movement based mechanic, and for those who don't know what a rondel is, it's like, like the, <laughs> it's this circle thing where um, each player goes around the circle in a certain number of steps, like you can move one to three around the circle, and you just do that one thing of the space that you land on, is the typical rondel. Uh, this rondel is kind of unique in that it's not, well, it's kind of a circle. It's actually four cards that make eight different locations, but they move around. Like, so if you have an ability, you can just move the rondel every turn and make everyone go, uh, but I was going to go there and now I can't. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Like, uh. So people yep. seem pretty so into are... it? Yes, actually. So Totemic. I was very surprised on because I've only iterated a couple times on it. Um, and usually, like, the iteration process, it's like, let's iterate on it 50 times and it'll probably get better, but it won't be there yet. Um, because, like, you, you have to, like, keep changing and making things better and better and better. And um, I've iterated, I think, three times, like, just changing abilities and trying to balance things out. And it was like, whoa, this is balanced. And people were just happy with it. And I was like, whoa. But is it done? Maybe. <laughs> like, that's the hard part. Because it's like, I didn't, like, I thoroughly enjoyed it every time I played. And, there like, well, usually I'm like, I need to change this number. I need to change this, like, this one is more overpowered. Or um, I need to make more player interaction. But, like, I feel like this... This one had a certain amount, like, enough player interaction that, um, like, you could annoy people, but you couldn't, like, really anger anyone, which I feel is the best. I like that only because my children troll me endlessly in every game we play. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you yeah, have that problem, Rob. I have that problem all the time. Even if I'm not winning, um, my kids still come after me just because it's, it's dad playing um it's notorious it's just you know we play like uh dragoon with lay waste games and they just they always just have to destroy dad's dragon no matter what i do uh, <laughs> it's crazy well that's what dragons would do that's why i like dragoon <laughs> dragoon is a really good game I, so um i i knew i was gonna like it just from the map but getting my hands on it finally, you know, when they, when they uh, sent me my copy, I, man, I couldn't put, I couldn't just not play it for like weeks. It was tough because I had other <laughs> games to play, but I was just like, no, nope, I'm playing Dragoon. Um, <laughs> I guess I, I guess everything worked out because I didn't have to shut down. Um, but my kids relentlessly go after me, so I like games where they can like nudge me but they can't just burn my entire village down and salt the fields because, you know, it's tough <laughs> to compete when you've got two kids just wrecking you. My youngest won't do that. She, she likes me too much. But my oldest <laughs> and my middle son, man, they just torment me. So um, how big of a show is Unpub? Are we talking like a hotel lobby or, you know, is it like uh, the biggest packs? Bigger than a hotel lobby. Oh, oh it's certainly not packs. Okay. Like, uh, or, um... At least, uh, I've only been to PAX Unplugged, um, but that still had a giant showroom, and it had an unpub in itself, which was pretty uh, fantastic. But this show, I heard that there was like a thousand people there. Um, it was larger than I had anticipated, um, because they had this grid system for tables. Like, I was on table K6, so there was like um, A through maybe L or M, Per chance, and then uh, one through nine, right. however many tables that is. That's a lot um, of tables. Yeah, yeah, and like um, we had two different blocks, so there was two sets of designers for uh, each of the blocks. Well, some people had overlapping, but but yeah, like and there was a uh, a number of just 
you know, playtesters that would come around. Like, this Unpub was uh, different than the other sorts of Unpubs I've been to in that they just invite the public in. Like, I'm pretty sure it's just completely free to the public. And the public also gets, like, freebies and stuff. So it's, you know, in their best interest to come and, you know, get a free game or two and also playtest people's games. Rob, we should go. We should totally go. We should totally go. That'd be, I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, although after some of my kick, previous Kickstarter review experiences, I don't know how many board games I can play on index cards, but we'll, you know, we'll figure, <laughs> it, we'll, figure we, we'll figure it out. I have very bad luck with um, reviewing Kickstarters to the point where I actually can't do it anymore because I've been sent one too many shoeboxes full of index cards, and I'm just like, you know, that's why we do the promotion thing because it's just way easier doesn't cost the the people anything and um we still get to create cool content and hear about these awesome games uh we just don't play them um because man i don't know what to do with some of the stuff they get (laughs) (laughs) so that's like really surprising uh for me like i visited a reviewer friend um and he was like hey let's play this kickstarter game and he handed out these cards with sleeves and i was like what you could just send like cards and sleeves in a like ziploc bag but i thought you had to have like a box and official cards and stuff like to know that people are sending index cards like apparently i'm putting in like way too much work or something well you'll note that i don't do it anymore so yeah maybe you maybe you're doing just the right amount um (laughs) um because i've i've left the gamut with with kickstarter i've gotten the box of index cards all the way i mean I, i get a lot of uh game crafter prototypes where people will actually put their stuff in the game crafter but uh i got one i got uh brandon rollins's uh highways and byways and the thing came in looking like a almost like a professionally manufactured board okay, game yeah, was, i mean was... that was i mean now the way i mean i he he friended me on uh like literally everything social media related like a couple of days <laughs> ago like it was bananas um i think i just was he just went crazy with my notifications the other day. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, the, the the variation between some of them. So now it's just I make it easier on myself and my kids because they're my playtesters, and they just, they, you know, they, they got tired of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, that I, I'm certainly not complaining about the Kickstarter community. I think – but I, I still think going to Bumpub would be fun someday. I'm, I'm putting it on the list. It's a business expense, right? Right. I mean. Oh boom. yeah, like that that's the best part fun. about having a board game business is being able to expense it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I get, and since it's for work, that means I get to tell my wife that I should be able to go and she can watch the kids. Um, and it shouldn't be a problem, right? That's not how that well, works. Well, you could bring the kids. I could totally. No, it would be really helpful if you brought brought the kids, cause like I don't have kids, so like when I get like around like around people that let me play games with their kids, I'm like. Yeah, I'll actually find out if my game is for the age range I think it is. <laughs> yes. Um the uh I mean listen, you can borrow my kids anytime. You're a little far, but I mean they can hitchhike. <laughs> be fine. So um so that was Unpub. I'm super interested in maybe we'll have you back on, maybe you've got some a bunch of people that went to Unpub together and we'll all talk about it. because um, I'd be interested to have like a more detailed discussion. Rob, what have you been playing? Uh, I kinda had like other a, than a literally everything. Because you play a lot of board games. Um, I had a, a like a cooperative game kind of week. Uh, it started off with uh, I headed over to our buddy uh, Darren's house from Geek Fever Games uh, and played the latest iteration of his uh, Guardians of Asandor cooperative game, where you're kind of like angels coming down to to rid the world. Wait, of, he's the guy that made ice. that game. Yeah, I've been seeing that at like the at CT Fig and B Fig for like three years yeah he's been uh, he's been constantly evolving it's like super streamlined now um and it was really great because we actually we had a victory which is like maybe one of the two times um i've played and won that game um it was really cool uh and i've i've been a huge fan of it since the first kind of iteration uh that i've played so i got that played um i also got in uh, awakening lair by rather dashing Okay. which is like a streamlined dungeon crawler. So you have like this line of 12 cards uh, and you're trying to get them up, you know, get up them beating monsters until this big monster awakens and tries to get out and you have to kill it before it, it moves down all the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, just rather dashing does some really cool stuff. It, it's light. It's quick. It's like half hour. 
and then I played Professor Evil and the Citadel of Time from Passport Games, okay. which is another cooperative. You have this board of like a mansion, like some of those like a clue style board. And uh, so Professor Evil has collected all these artifacts throughout time and put him in, put them in this booby trapped mansion. So you have to move through the mansion, um, disarm traps by flipping switches to get treasures. And every treasure says you have to disarm these type of traps. Uh, but there's like a clock mechanism on the board. And after every turn, it'll move. So if you don't get a certain treasure by a certain time, Dr. Evil locks it away and, and you can't get it. Um, and then he'll also move the board and, and turn traps back on and lock doors. Um, it was really cool. It's the first time I've played it. Very simple rules, very streamlined. And uh, me and my buddy who played just got absolutely slaughtered. It was it was just not a pretty sight. Well, I mean, that's because you're bad at games, right? I am, I am notoriously bad at games. Um, and I think the only reason I ever win at games is when I sit down with a designer, I flat out tell them, like, if I lose you get a bad review and then they take pity on me and they want a good review. So they let me win. Uh, but otherwise I, I pretty much lose all the time. I mean, I guess that's, I mean, I don't, I've never thought about threatening game designers to try and oh, like, actually get some victories in man. Yeah, I mean, sounds... It's the only way I can win. It's just like, if you don't let me win, man, I'm just going to blast you online. And they, <laughs> of course they all, they all laugh and they think I'm joking and I'm thinking, ah, no, no, I'm really not. <laughs> okay, so for real, he is joking, Carla. He really is. I just want to make sure that, you know, like this didn't because this because Rob, what you made it sound like you turned this into a very hostile environment on the podcast. We can't I, we can't I, have any of that. Come it's fan, it's fan friendly. I was I was just I was just joking. Just joking. <laughs> Except I'm not. No, you are. Damn, damn it, Rob. <laughs> damn it, Rob. Okay. Um, but I I never thought that I'm going to PAX in a, in a week or so. So I should um. Is it? That's two weeks, right? I don't even know. I'm scared. Um, there's just yeah, so much not, work not this weekend. Next, the weekend after. Ugh, I have so many appointments. It's going to be crazy. Although I'm playing a, a NBA Jam cross Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time game. So it's like NBA Jam with like laser beams. I think I'll be okay with it. I think it's going to be fine. Um, anyway, uh, that's like the highlight of my whole weekend. Um. So, I played, uh, oh man, what the heck is the name of the game? There it is, Doodle Rush. Doodle Rush. We played Doodle Rush, which is a, it's a party game from Brain Games, or the people that made Ice Cool. Have you played Ice Cool, Carla? I have, and I am terrible at it. Oh man, I am too. So, do you have the problem that I have, which is I always hurt myself while I play? Oh no, I don't do that. Alright, good. I just, like, I hit it, and it just... It, it hits something and then it goes back to like the place where it was. That's actually a special kind of bad at that game. Um, I'm you know <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty close. My problem is I just hurt myself on the penguins. Rob, have you played Ice Cool before? I have not. I've never actually even heard of it. Wait, what? what? It's the penguin dexterity game. Carla, can you give him the elevator pitch because I'm like ashamed. So I figure maybe you can help. <laughs> okay, okay. So you have to go... Uh, so there's penguins, and they, you're supposed to, like, flick them through the doors in this, like, maze thing so you, that you get through all the doors before other people get through the doors. Um, and you do it for the fish. Uh, but, yeah, you try to hit them on the head, and so they jump, jump. But it's so hard. It's like some people get it, and they can just make that penguin go where they want it to. But, like, I cannot... I cannot, but it's fun. It is fun to flick a penguin and to hope for the best. Yeah. So the um, it's penguins in a high school that is fully frozen, and so um, you're flicking like it's it's bananas because what what's crazy about it is the game the game box is actually four boxes like nested inside each other that you pin together using game you know, like different game pieces to make like this giant maze like thing. I mean it looks like a you know not it doesn't look like a high school but it's supposed to simulate a high school right and so you're flicking the penguins through the doors and like they're it's set up to allow for some crazy trick shots like if you put spin on them cuz the penguins it's a flicking game but the penguins have round bottoms like almost like uh, the reverse like at the bottom of a globe kind of thing so they're round on the bottom so if you flick it that you can put spin on them um and if you hit them 
apparently the videos say that if you hit them on the top of their head, you can actually make them jump. And so if you can make them jump over the walls, they can jump over the walls. I have never successfully done this. Um, but it's it's actually kind of rad. I have it. I'll loan it to you um, because I think your kids would get a, a crazy kick out of it. Um, and there's an expansion coming. or I don't even think it's an expansion. What? I think it's just Ice Cool 2. Um, I saw it at Toy Fair. They had it set up, but they didn't have it playable. Basically, it is a standalone game, but you can also... It's more boxes with more setups that you can click uh, together and just make it a bigger game. Um, or you can play it all by itself. It's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. Um, no, no, like I think you have game. to play Jumbo Ice Cool, because like, oh, yeah. that would be twice the Ice Cool. Yeah, pretty much. I think that makes it. I love. I love expansions that are like standalone, but also can be added into the the main game, like Queen Domino, and you know now Ice Cool too. And there's obviously there's dozens of others, but um, you know I'm a huge fan of that. Um, but yeah, I have Ice Cool, Rob. So I'll I'll hook you up because I think your kids would like it. Um, awesome. And but my problem is I hurt myself because I flicked the penguins and I hurt my finger, <laughs> um, which is really stupid. But so Brain Games they made Ice Cool. Um, so Doodle Rush is this is the game. Um, every player gets a number of uh, blank cards and a dry erase marker. The cards are the kind of material that you can write that you can draw on with a dry erase marker and clean off mostly well. And the idea is you get a card and the card has a bunch of words on it. Um, and so there's a hourglass, you flip it over and your job is to draw as many pictures as you can. Um, and the goal is to make them, you, you want to draw as many pictures as you can um, because, uh, um, and, and you have a minute to do it, right? Um, and then at the end of that minute, you immediately flip the hourglass over and then you, in real time, everyone at the table proceeds to try and guess the cards in front of you. You know, and in front of everybody, really. So let's say I drew like a puppy and I drew a dog. You know, that kind of deal. Um, you could guess puppy and take it and you get that card. At the end of that minute, you kind of calculate the scoring and you get a point for every picture that you guessed correctly from your friends. But you lose points for every picture in front of you. So you have to draw well enough for people to actually understand what it is or you lose lots of points. Um, and you go through that for like three rounds, and it is a super fun party game um, for what it is. Um, they threw it, they, they tossed it at me while I was at New York Toy Fair, uh, you know, and I thought it was like, all right, this is just, you know, another thing. It's actually kind of wild because you have to draw something good. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just scribble on the paper, you really, or on the cards rather, you really have to kind of try and pick words that you know you can draw. Um, and a minute is not a lot of time. A minute is not a lot of time. So you really, um, so I dug it. Uh, it's called Doodle Rush. Um, my oldest son said, why didn't they call it Quick Draw? And we're like, probably because connotation and also someone else I am sure made a game called Quick Draw. <laughs> so yeah, that's Doodle Rush. Um, we're going to have a review on it up on EFG probably within the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, we just got to write it up and, you know, do all the normal shenanigans. You know how that stuff goes, Rob. I, I uh, am yeah. in the middle of it right now. Yeah, it's nonstop shenanigans. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Anybody else have anything particularly interesting that they played in the last couple of weeks that they wanted to talk about? Actually, uh, I played quick, one go. Oh, oh let, let the let the guests let the go. Guests first. go. Yeah, Rob, you can talk about that later. What, what did you? What else did you play, Carla? Uh, so I did play this really cool game at on Pub. It was called Lawn Masters of Ganymede, and one thing I really like about it is the story. So, um, Ganymede is being terraformed, and that I believe is one of the moons of Jupiter. Sure. And you are one of like a different. Um, companies like a, either the water company or the lawn people or the stone masons you're you're one of the factories and you're trying to make a really beautiful city so that you can win and your city will be the capital of Ganymede and I just like that it's weird space like also with a uh, little uh, lawn gnomes and um, what are the little um, orbs that you put in your y yard yard orbs I don't know. I like the uh, the mix of... I think of... that might actually be what they are called. I don't think they have a fancier name than that. I'll look oh, it up. Oh, okay. So, carry on. I'll look it so, up. 
<laughs> oh, it is an unpub thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, actual lawn orbs on yeah. Amazon. Yes. Uh, so in the game, you are trying to build up your city, and half of it is trying to build up your city and match. Uh, like they have different um, lawn orbs, birdhouses, and gnomes on each of the <laughs> each of the little tiles that you match up, and if you match them, you get uh, specific points. But um, so you match uh, the different tiles and you build your city and you could also activate your cities with dice if you match the dice and you put them on the different tiles and you can get resources from every tile that um, is touching your tile. So it's also resource management and you can build up um, your tiles as well to get victory points in the end. Like, And each tile has... Um, different victory points, different like uh, things on it, different types. Like there's the water, the stone, uh, the wood, and I feel like another one, but I forget what it is. Anyway, I liked the game because I'm really into like weird themes, but it was also a one of those things where it's like you can do one of four things. And you just do the thing, and it's, like, so fast, and then suddenly it's your turn again. So you can take a tile, and while you're placing it, um, the other person is doing their thing, and then it's your turn again. So um, I really liked that. And, like, the art was pretty good. Like little lawn gnomes in Jupiter. Listen, I think <laughs> that theme is is fire. I mean, I love the idea of just, like, decorating your yard like you're a suburban, like, middle-aged dad, but you're on Ganymede. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, so weird that those two things, like, I don't think I've played a game about doing your lawn, but, like, I wouldn't be excited about that, but I am excited about doing my lawn in space. What, what do you think, Rob? I am I am completely down with that theme. I mean, I'd probably be down with it, like if it was on Earth, um, because it's just weird enough that it would it would interest me. Um, but yes, I would I would totally be extra interested in 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 taking care of my lawn in space. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since they didn't really change what lawns are, like the fact that it's like <laughs> gnomes. And by the way, they are called lawn orbs. Um, in case anybody was curious. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that they didn't change how lawns work, they just decided to put it somewhere else, just makes it that different level of absurd. And anyone that knows <laughs> this podcast knows I like absurd things because, you know, that's how things work. Um, so I think, uh, so Rob, what did, you, what, did you have another thing? Oh, yeah, I, just because I, I'm actually uh, writing up my review now. Um, I've been playing Untold Adventures Await with my kids, which is the, the Rory's Story Cube RPG. Yeah. Um, Tell me all about and it. And it's, it's, it's really cool. And it actually kind of is a good segue because um, the story and setting my, my kids chose is we're doing a sci-fi game uh, on Europa, uh -huh. which, is, which is a moon. Um, and it's in the process of being terraformed. So, so that's the setting. So they're in these above ice and below ice colonies. Um, and it's cool because you've got, you know, it's, you basically play an episode at a time and you have these five five segments of the episode and you're rolling dice and placing them on these recessed areas of the cards and you can ask questions and take actions um, and, and you're rolling dice to give you ideas. Um, and it's, it's just really cool how it, it pans out because everybody's creating the story. And we have this you know, story where this meteor is going to crash down on the moon and we try to build a cannon to shoot it down and it doesn't work and we find out it's an alien spaceship so we go to another colony for help, and we find out that the, the leader of that colony is a traitor, and she called the aliens there. And we blast off and try to board their ship, and at the end of the first episode, we got captured. Um, and all of this is just coming, uh, coming out of play from the, the die rolls. There's, there's no specific plan or structure. It's just like, okay, wow, this is, you know, this is what's happening. And uh, it's just a really cool kind of like introdu introductory type RPG. Um, and you can use, you know, whatever story it comes with a base set of story cubes. But I've got some Doctor Who ones. We'll probably toss in, um, and some some action cubes. You know, where they're they're kind of like instead of ob objects or actions, we'll add those in. Uh, and you you record every episode uh, on a sheet of paper. So like the next time we'll do episode two, and the next time we play, we play episode three, and stuff can carry over. Uh, it's just a really really cool uh, really cool game. 
Yeah, I've been I've had my eye on that since I saw it. Um, so I'm I'm probably gonna steal that from you for a little bit. We'll, I'll trade you Ice Cool for it for a little bit for a little while when you're done. Um, very different games, but I'm okay with it. Um, we played Marvel uh, Code Words, also, or not Code Words, Code Names. Is it Code Names? I think uh, it's names. It's Code Names. We played the Marvel Code Names game, and let me tell you, um, this is very brief, um, but. Nothing is funnier than playing Marvel code names with people who have only watched the movies. Because <laughs> the because the board game is very very much on the comics, and um, I forgot that I never told my wife what the Scarlet Witch actually looks like. And so, oh. like, they show her in her comic book form, which is like you know the leotard with the pink tights and the weird like crown thing. Admittedly, I'm curious as to why they haven't put the crown thing in the MCU because I think that's cool, but I digress. Um, so my wife had no idea who it was, and I was trying to clue her in to, you know, you know, and she just she she just wasn't buying it. She had no idea what was happening, and there was like a bunch of dogs that she had never seen before. I'm like, oh, she so had like Lockjaw out there, and she's like, who? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, spoiler alert for those looking to buy uh, Marvel code names for their kids: um, go over the cards and, and have Wikipedia up, and then teach them all about comics because they're they're going to need to learn a lot because it gets deep in that thing, deep. So, I don't know. Have you have I, do, I, you guys have played code names, right? I mean, I think everybody's played code names at this point. Yeah. Uh, no. You never played code <laughs> names. Well, I don't, I don't, you know, for about eight years now, I don't really buy many board games. Um, so if it doesn't come in for review, I rarely play it unless I play it at someone, uh, someone else's house. And I've never played code names, any, any version. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you also are allergic to fun. So there's that. I'm <laughs> not allergic to fun. I'm like the king of fun. That's that's definitely not true. I'm the king of fun because I'm the host, and I get to decide who's the king of fun. I'm the king of fun. Carlos, the queen of fun, from a different kingdom. <laughs> You're just the jester of fun. Um, and that's okay. I can live with that because jesters are fun. Kinda, but sometimes they're like the villain. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is just me being um, antagonistic because I'm hangry. I just started Weight Watchers, so I'm having a difficult day. So um, that's it for Around the Horn. We went around and around and around the horn, but that's okay. <laughs> um, this is all about giving people ideas about games that are, are out or will be out soon. Um, so why don't we take a break? We'll breathe for a moment, and then we'll come back, and then we're going to talk a lot about Fire in the Library. Oh, Okay. All right, everybody, and welcome back to episode 124 of Engage, a family gaming podcast. I'm still here. I'm still your host. We're still talking about board games, and I am still joined by Rob and Carla. And so we, we went around the horn, around and around and around, which is fine. Um, but now uh, we want to kind of do our topic for the day. So um, our topic is a Kickstarter campaign that is currently live on... Uh, well, Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> as of the time of this recording, there's 17 days to go, so you're basically like halfway through-ish. And uh, Well, we're on week two. Week two. Okay. Yeah, so, it's only 21 days, I think. Oh, it's a 21-day thing? Okay. 24. All right, so you still got like most of the campaign to go. I didn't know. Wait, you can hold up full stop. I didn't know you could change the number of days. You can, you can have it yeah, be less than 30 days. Yeah, you can days. have any number of days. You can start and stop when you want. That's I I I had no idea. That's awesome. Okay, great. So I'll so that means that's another thing I have to pay attention to. I completely I just assumed everything was thirty days, but I was wondering how you went from like starting to seventeen days because this campaign has only been up for like a week because it was just a little while ago. So now I get it. Time didn't compress. You just only had a 21-day campaign. I feel much better about myself. Um, so <laughs> so you are the CTO for Weird Giraffe Games. Um, so is this your baby? 
Um, it is not. Well, it kind of is. If you talk about babies, is something that you care about a lot. Um, I am not the designer of the game. The designers are Tony Miller and John Prather, but I am the developer of the game. So I basically I saw them playing at a couple conventions, and I played it with them and I then signed it about six or so months ago and since then I've been working like I've played it so many times like just iterating and making it like really amazing awesome um so what about fire in the library caught your eye like you, you obviously you saw it a bunch of times but they didn't just wear you down Steve Urkel style like you had <laughs> to have you know like what about it was interesting so we can first talk about like what kind of games I make and I make games that are like an hour, they're complicated. I do not make pressure luck games. Okay? okay, that's not the thing I do. That's normally not the game I play. Like if you're like, "Hey, let's play a pressure luck game where you just roll dice like zombie dice." I'm like, "But we could play something else. Anything else than that." Uh so uh, I'm not a pressure luck person, um, but I was friends with Tony and John, and um, I I saw them at different conventions and pitching to people, and the line that they'd usually get would be like, hey, Fire in the Library is great, but we already have a pusher luck game. So like after hearing that uh, quite a few times, I was like, well... Weird Draft Games doesn't have a push-your-luck game, and it's not like I'm going to create it, so I might <laughs> as well sign this one. But um, it's not just that. It it did fit in our lineup because I wanted Weird Draft Games to have like a, a good library and variety of games. But um, it was also the theme. Like I really like libraries, and having a fire in the library I thought was cool. Um one thing that the game did have that it still has now is the escalating mechanic of the library burning. Because, um, well, with fires, um, when the fire starts, it starts, it starts off slow. And it's not doing that much. It doesn't hurt you that bad. And you can work around it. But as the game progresses, it starts increasing. And there's more fire and more fire until everything collapses. So uh, I always thought that that was, that was really cool. Where... Um, if you weren't um, like paying attention to what you were doing, you could just escalate the fire and then trigger the end game where everything starts burning. Okay. I mean, seems kind of dark. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I guess fire is not dark. It's very bright. It's very but bright. But yes, uh, that was a bad joke. Um, no, no, but, no, no. Um, no, no, no. That was a brilliant joke. Don't hate. <laughs> That was a brilliant, um, brilliant joke. So Just one thing word, that joke was fire. Oh, oh <laughs> damn! Oh. Rob. No, that was bad. That was bad, so, um, and you should feel bad. So one thing I did do with the game. So as a publisher, when you sign a game, you don't have to keep the theme. So I I went through these different exercises on what the theme should be because. You know, books, like, I love books, but books are kind of nerdy. They don't appeal to everyone. Um, so I was, like, going down different paths on what you could save. And just that path of where I where my mind went was just so dark. Like, I think my favorite ideas that I had were that you're saving astronauts in space. But, you know, if you don't save that astronaut in space, they suffocate alone. <laughs> but um, another idea I had was that you were just you were collecting wild like wildlife in the safari, like giraffes and elephants. And you know, if you got one jungle cat and put it in a uh, in its pen, it was okay. But if you put two jungle cats together, they were gonna murder everything. Which like I didn't want children to cry because I feel like if children were playing that game and all the zebras got mauled. You know, that would, would be... be it would be bad. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Children's games, so, you don't need to kill furry animals. So, yeah, fire in the library, like, it's bad. Like, you're losing knowledge, but you're not, like, losing people or fuzzy animals. You're losing books. It's, it's emotional, but not too emotional. So, uh, normally I always ask, like, why 
the designer, did, did they ever tell you, like, why they decided to make this game in the first place? Like, I know why you liked it. Oh, yeah. Because you wanted to diversify a little bit. But could you tell me the story as to why they made this? Because as designers, they could make anything. And yet yeah. they decided to make a game about burning a library down. So I know exactly why. Um, Tony, he was uh, designing a game. He was thinking about um, the pressure luck. And he was on the internet, and he came across this meme, and the meme was, you know, you know that you're a real nerd if you're still angry about the fire in the Library of Alexandria. (laughs) So he saw that, and it was like, yes, make a game about the fire in the Library of Alexandria, because he got really mad about it. So that proved he was really a nerd. But... A nerd in a good way because he made this game. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm a. I am a fan, even though I have not played it. So, um, tell me, how does a basic round in Fire in the Library play? Like, let's say the three of us were sitting down to play. Kind of, how in general would it work? So the first thing you do in Fire in the Library is select turn order. And turn order is selected where the person that has the least number of points, they get to decide where they're going in order. And order is very important. So the first person that's into the library, you know, they're going really fast. They're not paying that much attention. They're being a little risky. But if you're the first one in to save books, you are super brave and you get extra points for bravery. Um, so, and the, the last person into the library, they don't get that many points for bravery because, like, you're the last person to save books, but they do get an easier time because they took their time, so they have more uh, safe spaces on their turn order card. Um, how the turn order card works is you can get one fire token in a safe space, but if you get two total fire tokens or a fire token in a risky space, um, you burn books. Okay, so once turn order is chosen in reverse score order, then the first player goes. And the first player takes the library bag and starts pulling out tokens. So um, they can choose to leave the library at any time. And if they choose to leave, they take um, the books that they've saved and they score them based on the current score. Um, the current values in the library and the library starts off with each book being worth between one and four points but as the game goes on and you burn things um, every time you burn a book of a certain color that book becomes worth one more Um, and you also add in uh, fire tokens as you burn things so if you end up leaving the library, you score points, but if you press your luck too much, you'll get those two fire tokens or a fire token in a risky space, and every book um, that you have at that time burns. Um, so the game starts off, and there are seven fire tokens in the bag and 22 books, which you know is a pretty good chance that you're going to save a lot of books. But as things get burnt, it can get up to 17 fire tokens per um for um, 22 books. So it's uh, it's about even whether you're going to get a fire token or a book token. Um, but one of the really interesting things about the game is that you have tools at your disposal. And how you gain tools is you gain tools either when you burn as a catch-up mechanic to... Like, you don't get any points this turn, but you get this tool and hopefully you'll do better next time. Um, or if you leave the library before becoming risky, um, that gives you the extra time to grab a tool. And tools can do a variety of things. The bucket is the easiest tool where the bucket, um, if you start a fire, you can just put it out with the bucket. It's easy peasy. Um, and then you can choose to either continue searching for books or to leave the library. There's other tools like the gloves where the gloves will make all your spaces safe spaces, which is pretty cool, especially like in the uh, when you're trying to not be so risky. Um, but you still get the bravery points for going first if you're using it as first. Um, there's things like the slingshot, and the slingshot um, works um, uh, like so. Say you've you've lit something on fire, but you have a slingshot, so you slingshot away the fire and your most valuable book to another player. And then they have to deal with the fire on their turn. So 
there's a, a number of things to try to mitigate your luck and change uh, the probabilities of what's in the bag. Oh, so you could basically fling burning books at other people. Yeah, yeah, That's but it's awesome. to protect your books. Um, <laughs> so we're not exactly great librarians. If we were all really good at being librarians, this would be a co-op game. But it's not. It's definitely a uh, competitive game. And then, so once every player has taken their turn order and either saved books or caused things to burn, what nobody actually dealt with was the problem, which was the fire in the library. So another section of the library burns at the end of the round. So um, the game ends, actually, when an entire section of the library burns. So the game will end uh, sooner if players are just repeatedly burning books. Um, but it will end regardless because the library at the end of the round continues to burn and introduces more fire tokens to the bag and makes it all riskier as the game goes on. Well, and um, the uh, the worth of the books goes up. Like, as I said, they start off between uh, one and four, but at the end of the game, they're all worth seven. So even if you start off and you're not doing so good, it's basically always possible to catch up just by using the right combination of tools. Okay. Cool. I mean, looking at the... So, I, I, I have a feeling I would be... So, can you win being super conservative, or do you really have to, like, lean into it? Because the, the issue we run into with push-our-luck games is, like, you know, between, like, me and my kids, um, one of my kids basically just always goes full tilt until he busts like every turn <laughs> and then another one of my kids like is is the kind of kid that'll get like one brain and zombie dice and just bank it and just you know so is is the game balanced so that you can kind of take your different strategies or do you just have to go one way or the other what do you think I think it's balanced. So um, if you want to be safe the entire time, you do, you tend to not get as many books. But you do gain tools, and you can use these tools to make, like, going first more safe than it otherwise would be. Like, you can gather up tools and have, like, a truly epic turn and not have it be risky um, because you used uh, you had so many turns that were safe and gave you tools to all use up at the same time. Um, if you do pressure luck all the way every time, you can actually only save up to five books per turn. Like, you can't continuously, like, uh, keep going into the library until you burn stuff. So being, like, super pressure luck every time... Um, you tend not to win, but, like, you can, like, you can win at the same time if you do it, um, like, if you stop at the right times. Like, uh, yeah, but I've seen people that just, you know, draw the entire time and they, you know, they don't do that bad. They can win. All right. I like it. I like it. What do you, do you have any questions, Rob? Um, my, my main question would be, um, is about how long does a does a game take to play? It's about thirty minutes. Um, the solo mode is much shorter; it's about fifteen. But um, typically, like the two to six player game is about thirty minutes. That's like a sweet spot for for my kids. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, right. I mean, I found. I mean, like the ha the whole half hour thing is like. Any longer than that, and it has to be like really. It has to, like it. Yeah, it basically needs to serve cake at the end in order to keep the kids like, <laughs> super involved. Um, right. Because right. you know, I mean, it's just that kind of thing. And man, like w we did struggle with that a little bit with some of our more recent games. I went and got some heavier stuff. Um, my oldest son keeps grabbing my copy of Civilization: A New Dawn, and he's like, "Hey, can we play that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, with your attention span." No way. <laughs> um, but this sounds perfect in that, you know, it's a half hour, which is just enough time. And I like, so it's up to six players, right? That's what it says on the campaign page. It does. Yes, because that's true. That's why it says that. Well, hey, listen, I, maybe I, I phrased my question awkwardly. But um, but that's okay. That's what I, I do just about everything awkwardly. Um, just ask my wife. She's normally on here. So um, the, the, the question that I have 
Um, with so is it balanced across the different players? I know I'm asking the publisher, so you you you're probably <laughs> gonna say yes. But um, did you have to work extra? Like, was it start? Did it start as a game that was kind of balanced from one to six players, or like how did all that come about? So no, it did not start off as one to six players. It started off as two to five. And one thing about weird draft games is that when I say the player count. I say the player count, and I'm serious that you're you're good for one to six. Like, one of my pet peeves is that I like playing games at six players. That's three couples. I get to, like, I know a lot of people do four because it's two couples, but I like to see more people. Um, and the worst thing ever is getting a game that says six players and then playing it and being like, did they even play this at six players? Like, sometimes I think that. And so I never wanted to publish a game like that. So I definitely, I've played it many times at six. And actually, the six-player games are sometimes the most fun of all the the player counts. Um, Well, just because there's so many different players and player types. And, like, it gets so, um, like, so the game ends immediately when any one section of the library burns down. So when there's six players, there's five people that could be in the way of you saving books and it gets super tense. So yes, six players, it definitely works out well. And um, I had to work um, with things and there's a bunch of iteration on the turn order cards. Um, the first thing I did was try to make them flippy. Um, so like there was one side for one player account and one side for the other. But then people would forget and flip them the wrong way, and there was confusion, so that didn't work. I tried other things with that. But the game also works as a um, solo game. I uh, I really like designing solo modes for games, so I like that about it. Um, the solo mode is very easy, simple. How it works is you you have all the turn order cards, and you choose which one you want to play, and then you play that one, and if you burn, then the AI just scores the largest um, or the highest valued book. Um, but if you don't burn, you flip over a tool, and the tool cards have icons on them, and it tells you what um, the AI scores and what the AI burns. So the, the solo is very quick, simple. Um, it's about 15 minutes. Um, there are changes for the um, two and three player games because I like I want to give the full experience to two player like when you're playing with two players and that's a lot of people actually it's like a lot of parents that like they only get to play games when their kids go to bed so they they play a lot of two player games so the difference for um, that one is that you add in an additional turn order card to give you a wider range um, of different, um, you use the first through third, um, so it makes it a little different. Sure. Okay. Um, and I, I appreciate that as someone who, um, you know, likes to play games when my children go to sleep, because that is some of the only time that my wife and I get to play games, um, when we're not, you know, being inundated with the, the troops as it were. So fair enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, um, I'm a huge fan of the box for this game. I know normally praise for the box is (laughs) kind of like, you know, like, what are you doing, Steve? But I mean, it's, it looks like a book which I think is uh, kind of thematically appropriate. When did you get the idea for that? Because you are... Um, that was, like, immediate. Like, I mean, it's a it's a game about books, so why not book box? Um, but there's been, like, a couple of Kickstarters and stuff that have done book box, and it just, I mean, it just makes sense. And also, like, uh, Beth did just fantastically well. Like, uh, she sent me uh, the illustration for it, and I was like, yes. That's it. That's perfect. You're brilliant. Let's keep going with that idea. Yeah, I have to agree. It is a really nice looking box. I, I don't think you're. Uh, I don't think you're crazy, Stephen, for for praising a box. I mean. Oh, and now the box is a magnet box. Oh, is that a stretch Ooh. goal? Yeah, that's a stretch goal. We hit. Nice. So let's talk Very about nice. that. So stretch. How? So how many stretch goals did you have planned? before the Kickstarter went live? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think about 10 of them. All right. Um, so about 10 when it went live, but then it started doing really well, and I was like, whoa, 
we might be getting enough money that we can do some crazy stuff. And so um, my last week has been uh, getting quotes and stuff for, like, the more interesting things. Um, so one thing in particular that I'm really excited about that I haven't actually posted on the Kickstarter page or anywhere Scoops. or talked about. This is a scoop, the first time I'm talking about it. Um, so uh, we have an Ultra Edition that has, like, a, a bag that I, I sew myself to uh, have this fire bag. And the base game just has a, a plain black bag. But the stretch goal is to put um, the fire bag into the base game. And then, so you can't have the wait, same... Wait, hold on. You're going to make all those bags? There's no... Oh, no, no, oh, I was no. About to say. Damn, I am I not that good at sewing, okay? Like, when I sew, I sew in a straight line. All right, all right. Listen, That's... I, th I was afraid for you, but now I feel much better. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to pay um, my manufacturer to do that. Um, that was actually a crazy more expensive than you would think it was. But, okay, so we can't have, like, the Ultra being the same as the base game. So I've talked to Geekcraft, um, and they are most likely going to be making the um, bag for the Ultra Edition, which will be, like, one... I, have you heard of Geekcraft? Uh, no, but... The internet has. I'm gonna go look right now. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So Geekcraft <laughs> does these really fancy like uh, bags with lining that are reversible, and I think it'll be super fancy. So yes, and that will hopefully also be an add-on, so you can get your fancy library and fire bag to do what you want. Make it a dice bag, you know, if you want a, a fiery library dice bag. I mean, who doesn't like books, really? Um, so I am super excited about that one. That sounds pretty awesome. Um, I did go to Geekcraft, um, and they, ha they have a, they have an X-Men bag, and I think I need to get the X-Men bag, I have a problem. Um. Yeah, I mean. Oh, man. They're nice. Man, you just basically sent my house a bill. I, I mean, I guess the good news is <laughs> we, uh, I get stuff out of it, but, um, I'm gonna not look at that page before I, before I spend even more money. Um. So, uh, so the, uh, the one kind of last question that I have, um, and I, I, I try to ask this of everybody. So, um, while play testing this game, you know, everybody has like patch rules, right? Like is the, so tell me a story about a time you guys were play testing this game and things just got sideways. So you had to just change a rule on the spot. Do you have one of those moments, or was this game just done well before you got it? Um, I think it was just done well before I got it, but I do have a story about Unpub this weekend. Sure. Where, um, so I was playing with this group, and this is a competitive game, okay? It's competitive. But players, uh, it was a six-player game, and they started playing it cooperatively, and I was like, what is going on? Like, they're helping out each other. They're trying to save the library together. Um, I didn't stop it because I was, like, too fascinated by the whole, like, experience of it. But it gave me this idea that I really want to follow up on, which is to make um, kind of like a legacy version of Fire in the Library that is co-op. Um, and so during that playtest, I had in some expansion tools, and the expansion tools are all weird and slightly unbalanced as of now, but it was like, okay, so I take all the tools that they used to be, like, they kind of changed them to be cooperative versus the competitive that I thought that they were, okay. and and make the, um, the cooperative, you know, either standalone game or expansion of Fire in the Library, because I... You know, it had always been like I'd never seen people try to save each other. I mean, that's a, I mean, it's funny that you say that you phrase it that way. Like, I've never seen people try to save each other. But, you know, I can imagine that the right group of people would be like, you know what, let's try and subvert this and try and say and see if they can save the whole library. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, I am. Um, I, I kind of wish I was there to see your reaction to that because I bet you that your like your mind started going a mile a minute, being like, "What the hell are these guys doing?" Um, 
And um, as someone who regularly works with children, I'll tell you, um, that's uh, the story of my life. Because normally it's just like, what are you, do- what are you doing? Why, why are we doing this? Uh, and then you just kind of got to roll with it. Um, you know, I, I started streaming Hearthstone on my uh, wet, on my uh, Facebook page the other day with my daughter because she likes watching it. And she was super excited. And then she just bounced right in the middle of it. And I was like, well, I guess now I guess I'm streaming by myself. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what are you kids doing? Um, so anyway, um, Carla, thank you for so much for coming on our show today. You have been a treat. And um, thank you for talking about your Kickstarter. Um, is there anything that you want to say that we have not asked now that I've been bothering you for about an hour? Um, I don't know. Just you're, uh... allowed, you're allowed to say, go back my damn game on Kickstarter. That's okay. You can do that. <laughs> well, I won't say go back it. I would say like, hey, please go check it out. It's on fireinthelibrary.com. It's a pressure luck game that's easy to learn. It has increasing intensity. And if you like AIs, it has an AI variant. And it's actually good from all player accounts. Like, I swear it. I love it at every player account. Even solo. And I'm not a solo player. But I do like playing this one solo. It's it's weird. Um, I don't understand it. But it is what it is. And it's also beautiful. Like, um, Beth Sobel is a fantastic, fantastic person and artist. And she's, like, taken um, the tools, like, you would think, like, Carla, why are you talking about illustrations of tools? How pretty can a bucket be? And I'm like, okay, you haven't seen this bucket. It is beautiful. That's a beautiful bucket. Well, fair enough. It is. Um, so, yes. All right, so that's that's not as aggressive as I expected, but that's it's it's not a hard pitch. But you're gentle. You're 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 pleasant. I will say it because I'm abrasive. Everyone, go back this game. Um, it's inexpensive as all get out. I mean, what it, what is it? It's twenty. I well, mean, it's, it's nineteen. It's nineteen. Yeah, it's, it's nineteen shipped, plus. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, in, in the, the US. U.S. Yeah, in the U.S. Most of our listeners are U.S. based. There's also um, so it's ages eight plus. But there is a tiny gamer variant, and what I mean by tiny gamer are the the younger ages. Oh yeah, um, tell me about yes. it. Yes. Okay, so in that one, you know, tiny gamers they are too busy to, you know, you read words and stuff like that. Deal with tools. You just take the tools out of the game, and they get to save as many books or burn as many as they want, and. You get an additional point if every time when something burns you, you go, burn! So, that's, that's the Tiny Gamer variant. Okay. All right, so now I'm officially sold. Um, I want to play the Tiny Gamer variant among adults. Rob, welcome back. Uh, listeners, Rob abandoned us for a few seconds. Um, I think he just got tired of me. Um, so, um, so man, a ti- how did I not know that there was a Tiny Gamer variant? I'm super excited. Um the uh so because there are a lot of games that my kids want my youngest wants to play but she just can't so um thank you very much for sharing that with us i keep trying to shut it off and you keep coming up with like awesome news um and stuff to say so um rob says goodbye everybody but he's having issues with his internet um for those of you wondering he runs a Pawns Perspective. You can go to pawnsperspective.com and find him all over the Facebook. Rob, you there? I Yeah, Here something I happened was. to my connection. Here I was. I was signing off for you. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? At pawnsperspective.com or a Pawns Perspective on Facebook or Perspective Pawn on Twitter because somebody beat me to Pawns Perspective on that. All right, you couldn't just do pawn underscore perspective? I probably could if I was thinking straight, but, you know, Man, well, I don't you think that far ahead. You can change your username. You should do that. Anyway, I'm not telling you what to do, but come on. <laughs> come on. So, um, Carla, where can people find you on the Internet if they want to talk to you about your Kickstarter game? Okay, so I am basically everywhere. On Twitter, I'm at Weird Drafts. On Facebook, I am Weird Draft Games. And I'm the same on Instagram. I'm also Carla Cop on Facebook. I have a website. It is weirddraftgames.com. And you can just go straight to the Kickstarter page at fireinthelibrary.com. Oh, and my email 
is contact at Weird Draft Games. If you are less social media, more just direct email. Sure. And feel free to contact me about board games or, you know, talk about publishing, design, you know, whatever. I love talking about board games and stuff, which is why I go on podcasts. Um, <laughs> so uh, feel free to contact me. For real, folks, she didn't come on here because I'm, like, nice. She came on here because she really just was desperate to talk to more people about board games after doing it for, like, 36 hours at Unpub. It's not about me. <laughs> I'm not I'm – not, I'm, anyway. So, um, everybody, if you're listening, you probably know me. But I run EngageFamilyGaming.com. It's a website on the Internet where we provide information for families. Uh, looking for video games, board games, etc. Um, you can find us at engagefamilygaming.com. You can find us on Facebook at Engage Family Gaming. Um, just search, just put Engage Family Gaming into a social media profile, into a social media search bar. You'll probably find us. We're also on the YouTubes. Uh, that's important because that's where you're going to start seeing some of our Hearthstone content. And my wife is working on a Minecraft video series for moms so that moms can understand the weird stuff that their kids have been talking about. Um, also, I have a parent's perspective of Fortnite coming. So you may want to check that out. Um, other things that are worth mentioning, if you live in Connecticut, I will be speaking at the Meriden Public Library um, and giving a crash course on video games. You want to know why your kids play video games as much as they do? I will tell you why. Um, and I will tell you why that's probably not as much of a problem as you think it is. Um, be prepared for me to tell you not to use the word addiction as often as you do. Um, and we're also going to be talking about alternatives to super violent kid favorites like Call of Duty World War II. I'm going to make some suggestions so that you can say yes to your children as opposed to saying no until you cry and give in. Um, so... That, that has been episode 124 of Engage a Family Gaming Podcast. I do hope that you have a wonderful week, and we will see you next week with some video game talk. Uh, we're going to be talking about some nindies, so that's going to be a wild ride. Until next time, this is Steven and Carla and Rob signing off, and don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you later. Yay! Cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week.